back, my friend, and welcome to episode 25 of this Bible study podcast series, reading through the Gospel of Luke. I am so glad that you are here with me today because I think that there is a lot to be gained from today's reading. I always get something out of reading this section. We've got Luke chapter 12, verses 4 through 34. Reading plans always linked in the description if you want to read along, or you can listen along as we begin today in prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Open up our hearts and minds to the truth of your word. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but after that can do no more. I shall show you whom to fear. Be afraid of the one who, after killing, has the power to cast into Gehenna. Yes, I tell you, be afraid of that one. Are not five sparrows sold for two small coins? Yet not one of them has escaped the notice of God. Even the hairs of your head have all been counted. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever denies me before others will be denied before the angels of God. Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When they take you before synagogues and before rulers and authorities, do not worry about how or what your defense will be or about what you are to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that moment what you should say. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. He replied to him, Friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator? Then he said to the crowd, Take care to guard against all greed. For though one may be rich, one life does not depend or consist of possessions. Then he told them a parable. There was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, what shall I do? For I do not have space to store my harvest. And he said, this is what I shall do. I shall tear down my barns and build larger ones. There I shall store all my grain and other goods. And I shall say to myself, now as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many years. Rest, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This night your life will be demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? Thus will it be for the one who stores up treasure for himself, but is not rich in what matters to God. He said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat, or about your body and what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Notice the birds. They do not sow or reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. How much more important are you than birds? Can any of you, by worrying, add a moment to your lifespan? If even the smallest things are beyond your control, what are you anxious about the rest? Notice how the flowers grow. They do not toil or spin, but I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass in the field that grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O you of little faith? As for you, do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not worry any more. All the nations of the world seek for these things, but your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these other things will be given you as well. Do not be afraid any longer, little flock, for your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your belongings and give alms. Provide money bags for yourselves that do not wear out an inexhaustible treasure in heaven that no thief can reach nor moth destroy. For where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So much, so much good stuff from that reading here today. Okay, so we begin... We pick, we're picking up uh, in the middle of uh, the preaching to the crowd that we just began yesterday. And Jesus begins by saying, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but after that can do no more. Which is a very interesting phrase because the question almost is like, well, what more is there after killing the body? And maybe Jesus is implying that there's something, something greater than physical death. It may be something spiritual because Jesus says, Be afraid, rather, of the one who, after killing, has the power to cast into Gehenna. Gehenna being kind of a figurative equivalent in Jesus' teaching for hell. But Jesus says, Rather than fearing men who may, might persecute you and kill you, fear God, who has the power to grant you either heaven or hell. And this kind of goes into this the general theme of what Jesus is talking about here in this first section of being fearless in the face of persecution. Because Jesus then, now he shifts in some ways from kind of a uh, instilling, instilling fear of God into his people, but also allowing them to understand the care of God. That he talks about, he gives the example of sparrows. That is not, is not a sparrow just worth two coins, some insignificant amount for a small bird, yet God sees and cares for the sparrow, and that you, my friend, are worth more than many sparrows, that we are of much more value than even the smallest things that God cares for. And he says of us, even the hairs of your head have been counted, that we, in the face of persecution, should not fear even the slightest loss, because God knows us even down to the number of hairs on our head, how intimately known we are by the God of the universe. But that Jesus says, because of this, that we should fearlessly confess the name of Jesus and acknowledge him. Because if we acknowledge Jesus here, we'll be acknowledged in heaven. But if we don't, if we deny Jesus here, then we'll be denied in heaven, which is which is justice. And I think that that makes sense. But to fearlessly confess Jesus and to be assured in some way, because we have this Holy Spirit that Jesus talks about. So he says a few things here about the Holy Spirit. He says, first... Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. It's a very interesting line, um, but it's one that would be referenced when we're talking about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit being the one unforgivable sin in the Bible. Jesus says the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Um, so if you were, if you have ever heard of like the unforgivable unfor- sin, this is where maybe you would find it. I don't really have too much to say about it because I just frankly am not knowledgeable about this enough to speak into like why that is or how that is. Uh, but there it is. It's right there in the Gospels. It's in Matthew and Mark as well. This whole thing about the unforgivable sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus continues to talk about the Holy Spirit a little bit and he says, When they take you before synagogues and rulers and authorities, which to kind of sidebar, he doesn't say if they take you before synagogues, rulers and authorities, but when. So essentially implying that preaching the gospel will lead to persecution, will lead to essentially arrest. This is what the apostles and the disciples are signing themselves up for. But he says, when they take you, the Holy Spirit will teach you at the moment what to say. To not worry or prepare about saying the right thing when we're being persecuted, but to trust that the Holy Spirit will guide you to say the right words. But I think this is, this is a message for us as well, that we, 
if we have real faith in God and we trust and are, are open to the Holy Spirit moving in us, that the Holy Spirit will speak his truth in us and through us in the right moment. So Jesus is saying in this section here to fearlessly proclaim the gospel without fear because four things. <laughs> because one, the only one to fear is God. We shouldn't fear man. We should rather fear God. He's the only one to fear. Two, that while we may fear God, God watches over and protects us. He keeps us in his care. Three, that if we acknowledge Jesus, if we boldly proclaim this gospel, it grants us heaven. It grants us entrance into eternal life. And four, that as we go forth and boldly proclaim this gospel, the Holy Spirit will be our guide if we are open to the Holy Spirit moving within us. Those four things, I think, are important things for us always to keep in mind. Us as missionaries, us as uh, people who preach the gospel in the world today, as disciples of Christ and his apostles in the world, um, that we should keep those four things in mind. That the only one to fear is God. We have no one to fear but God. But that at the same time, he watches over and protects us. Uh, that the Holy Spirit is our guide along the way, and that if we proclaim that gospel and acknowledge Jesus Christ before man, we'll be acknowledged by him in heaven. And then we shift a little bit. After hearing those those four uh, good, that exhortation to fearless confession, we have a shift where someone in the crowd asks Jesus a question. They ask, teacher, tell, me bro- tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. And Jesus gives this, <laughs> this response first, where he says, who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator? which is, is actually like a super subtle, sassy response from Jesus. Um, because if we go back to Exodus chapter 2, verse 14, so this is beginning of Exodus uh, where Moses finds two Hebrews fighting each other. This is before Moses has kind of, be, Moses is still like with the Egyptians at this point. He finds Hebrews fighting each other. Moses tries to kind of intervene and help them and to stop them from fighting each other. And they say to him, who made you a ruler and judge over us? Kind of the same thing that, that, that Jesus just said to the Jews. Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Uh, and I think this is in some way Jesus making some kind of Old Testament scriptural reference, poking fun with a sassy response of like, why are you asking me? Who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator? The same thing that they said to Moses back in the day. But anyways, he then does respond with like a serious response. Uh, he says, take care to guard against all greed for though one may be rich, One's life does not consist of possessions. So vitally true for us today um, that though we may though we may be rich, though we may make money and gain possessions, our life does not consist of possessions, that there's more important things, certainly. And he gives this parable to explain it a little more. The parable of the rich fool, which essentially is there is a rich man. Uh, he has this massive, super abundant harvest and trying to figure out how to how to like what to do with his massive harvest, he decides to build bigger barns to store it all for himself so that he can simply rest on all of his massive abundant harvest. He doesn't have to work anymore. So he can simply rest and eat and drink and be merry. But then God says to him, you fool, this night your life will be demanded of you and the things you have prepared to whom will they belong. And kind of a, maybe a, a helpful addition here from the Old Testament, from the wisdom of the book of Sirach, chapter 11, verses 18 through 19, says, Some become rich through a miser's life, and this is their allotted reward. When they say, I have found rest, now I will feast on my goods, they do not know how long it will be till they die and leave them to others. 
That the fact is what this what that means and what this parable means for us is the fact is we all die eventually and we never know when we're going to go. And when we die, we don't take any of our stuff with us. So if we stake our life on just gathering the material possessions for us and, and are greedy with them and store them up simply for the sake of ourselves, I mean, when we die, like if that's what we stake our life on, then when we die, we're left with nothing. And Jesus says, thus it will be for the one who stores up treasure for himself, but is not rich in what matters to God. That that's truly what's important. Jesus is, so kind of in a way too, Jesus is not speaking against wealth and possessions in themselves uh, and that in this life we we may find ourselves abundantly blessed with wealth and possessions but what he's speaking against is greed when we store up those treasures simply for ourselves in a greedy way and fail to store up treasure in what matters most which is what matters to god and storing our treasure in heaven and then jesus continues on in in his preaching with a bunch of wisdom here for us today so much here for us that we can take away. He says, therefore, first, don't worry about food and clothing because life is more than food and the body more than clothing, which is something that so many of us, myself included, probably need to hear uh, that if we, if we put so much of ourselves into like what we eat, what we wear, and we're so attached to those things, life is more than food, body more than clothing. Then he goes back to the example of the sparrows from earlier and references birds again. <laughs> he says, birds don't sow or reap, yet God feeds and cares for them. And how much more important are you and I than birds? Which, thank God for that. How much more important are you and I than birds? And he then asks his disciples, why do you worry about things? And particularly, why do you worry about things beyond your control? And says, can any of you by worrying at a moment to your lifespan? I think so many of us need to hear that again and again, that we in our stress and anxiety and in our worries, it doesn't do anything for us. That What Jesus is saying in some way, to sum this up concisely, worry is inefficient. I'll say that again. Worry is inefficient because it does nothing for us. Worry just adds to our stress, uh, diminishes our quality of life, and prevents us from being well. And what does it do for us? Nothing. (laughs) By worrying about things, it doesn't make us do better at the things that we're going to do or handle situations any better. Worry just drags us down. And Jesus says, can any of you, by worrying, add anything to your life? No. The worry is inefficient. And he tells us not to worry, to trust in our God, uh, because we can't handle most of these things because most of these things are beyond our control anyways. And he he references, again, flowers. He says, flowers don't toil or spin. Flowers don't worry. Flowers don't work. But even flowers are dressed better than Solomon in all his splendor. Which is a significant note because 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 23 says, Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. The understanding of Solomon is Solomon is a king of splendor, of glory, of riches. And Jesus says that simply a flower exceeds King Solomon for doing nothing, nothing at all. And that we are more certainly more important than grass or flowers or birds, and that God will clothe and care for us much more, and that we should not worry. And Jesus essentially asks the question of, what are you seeking? Because he says, do not seek 
what you are to eat and what you are to drink because your father knows you need those things. Don't make those the central aim of your life because God knows what we need, that we need food and clothing and simple things like that. But Jesus says, and this is, this is a line we know well and it is so true for our lives. Instead, seek his kingdom and these other things will be given you as well. That when our primary goal is heaven, as it ought to be in our lives, our primary, primary goal of the primary thing we strive for and seek after should be heaven, everything else falls into place. Everything else follows. If we, if we have our, our eyes set on the thing that we're supposed to have as our primary goal as heaven, everything else will fall into place. We don't have to worry about everything else because God cares for us and provides. Do we trust that? That's a real honest question that I have to ask myself so often because I find myself, even if I like believe it, believe it in my head sometimes, in my, in my thoughts and actions and the way I live my life, does not express that I trust that doesn't always express that I trust that God will provide for me if my primary and sole aim is heaven. But this is such good news. What Jesus then says is, for your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Man, your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. (laughs) How good of news is that? Sometimes I think that we walk this Christian life and it seems so hard. It seems like God doesn't, God doesn't care for us as, as, as much as it's promised, but like Jesus assures us, our Father in heaven is pleased to give us the kingdom. He's pleased to give us all the riches of his abundant kingdom. And we just need to seek it. <laughs> we just need to turn to God. We just need to seek the kingdom first. And, and he is so pleased to give it to us. And that is good news. That is good news for us. So what do we do? What do we do? Jesus says, sell your belongings and give alms, which doesn't doesn't necessarily mean this absolute radical poverty for every single person, but simply to remove, at least remove our attachment to our possessions. That life, our our value should not be found in our material possessions and gain, but our value should be in heaven. Jesus says an inexhaustible treasure in heaven, an inexhaustible treasure that no thief can reach nor moth destroy and that where your treasure is, there also your heart will be. So our treasure ought to be in heaven. We ought to place the value of our lives in heaven as our primary goal from which everything else will come in abundance as we need from our Father who knows us so well. There is so much here for us today in this section. I think there's always something to be gained from reading this section of Luke's gospel and Jesus' teaching. Whatever that was for you today as you read through it, maybe it was uh, just feeling more boldly to preach the gospel in the guidance of the Holy Spirit, fearless confession. Maybe it was uh, that you grew in trust that God God sees me and he, he cares for me. Maybe it's uh, a feeling that I need to stop worrying and that my worry is inefficient. It does nothing for me. Maybe I need to address my greed. Maybe I need to address my attachments to material possessions and gain. Or maybe it is that this increase of faith that if we seek it, If we seek the kingdom, our Father is pleased to give it to us. All of that good news is so, so important and present to us today in our lives. I'm so glad that you were here with me today to read through it. And I pray that we uh, go through our day today with that truth in mind, that we too seek first the kingdom and seek the good news of Jesus Christ in our lives. Can't wait to do this again with you tomorrow, my friends. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.